from the mind of the sapient simian. This is Nobody's Prodigy. Free-range ideas from beyond the box. Hi, and welcome to the third episode of The Sapient Simeon. I'm your host, The Clever Monkey. And for our third episode, I thought I would tackle a peculiar aspect of modern society and address a constant frustration I have as an independent scholar and lifelong autodidact. And that's the subject of qualification, or rather the subject of being unqualified when it comes to actually doing things. Now, from the beginning of time, knowledge was the focus when it came to actually doing things. Ancient man would travel around, uh, would live their life, and would gather knowledge by doing and by um, experimenting with things that they actually do to learn. Um, knowledge was gathered by uh, the the time that they spent um, actually living. Um, so qualification was a um, an extension of their experience and their age. So um, a person that was very experienced or a person that was very old was automatically seen as qualified in whatever it was they were doing because they had spent time and had, um, you know, had, had many times of doing something to get better at doing that. Um, because of that, the traditional way of passing on knowledge and passing on qualification was an apprentice-type situation, which is to say that my qualification would come from my master, and a master was a person who had spent lots of time and had lots of experience doing a particular thing. Um, and that's a sort of a traditional and natural way that people... Uh, educate each other and come across qualification that you can find across all sorts of different cultures and communities around the world. It almost seems to self-manifest among human society as a way of passing on um, skills and passing on the um, qualification that comes with that, which is to say you know that someone um, has qualification or is qualified to do it because they have a connection to um, a master or someone that they have actually come from. And um, more importantly, their skills um, were proved by what they did. Their ability was what actually qualified them to do it. Um, They were a good blacksmith because they did good blacksmith work. Um, They were a good carpenter because their products were quality products. And um, that was sort of the way the proof was in the pudding, so to speak, um, as time went on. So uh, to determine whether or not someone was qualified to build a house, uh, a person would look at uh, whether or not they had built one or whether or not they were uh, capable and Once they built one, they would look at the quality of that house and they would say, yes, this person has uh, the ability to do it. Um, So therefore, they are a person that can and they are a person that would be allowed to do that. Um, Now, it's interesting, as time goes on and you get the development of new ideas and of new concepts, um, you get into the Renaissance 
And the interesting thing about the Renaissance is you have a lot of new ideas coming up, a lot of new concepts, and people tend to deviate from that sort of line of um, doing what they have done and that um, sort of family history of uh, doing what your ancestors have done. And you get uh, the concept of genius, which I think is a really interesting idea. Um, the idea that someone is a genius and is therefore qualified to do all sorts of things because they have this unique quality that allows them to do things. And if you look at the Renaissance, it's really interesting because people um, simply did things um, without necessarily having any qualification. Uh, one example I really like is uh, Brunelleschi, who did uh, Brunelleschi's dome, which was the largest dome uh, for a very long time. And, you know, basically the, the city built this church, and they had this central area that they wanted to put a dome on, and they built it really before they knew how they were going to put a dome over the top of it. And then they said, okay, so we need someone to build a dome, someone come along and build a dome. And... Uh, Brunelleschi basically had no um, experience or qualification, quote-unquote, for uh, building that dome, but he's the one that came along and said, I can do it, and I, I think I know how to do it. And he ended up designing it and doing it, and it ended up being, uh, you know, this, this landmark that's still standing. But basically, um, he did it because he did it. He did it because he could do it. Um, no one sort of asked him for his paperwork before that came along to actually uh, do that thing. He he was um, allowed to do it because he could do it, and he did. Um, if you look at uh, someone like Leonardo, there's the idea that you're no longer limited to a particular track, a particular skill. You're not necessarily a um, specifically a carpenter or a mason or whatever, a painter or a sculptor. You're allowed to sort of spread out a little bit. And Leonardo, um, because of that mindset, was able to um, allow himself to do all sorts of things. Although he didn't necessarily make his inventions, he allowed himself to delve into all sorts of different topics because the mindset and the environment around that area was very much geared toward um, you know, you can do anything uh, and you are qualified because you simply can, because you simply are. Um, and, you know, if it if you do it and it works, then that is good enough. So, you know, his designs and things tackled all sorts of large and complicated issues that one necessarily uh, would have said, oh, I don't have any experience, I don't have any long knowledge, I'm not, you know, the student of a master of doing these things. Well, for, for Leonardo, um, the idea was, I don't need that. Uh, I am personally uh, able to think through things and come up with ideas, and they, um, you know, will work or will not work, but will basically... I can do them because I can do them. Um, an important part of this ability or this this sort of um, environment it was the idea of patronage. 
uh, patronage was basically the idea that that wealthy people would pay you to do things because you could do them. Um, an artist would be paid to make art. Uh, a sculptor would be paid to sculpt. And the idea was that uh, you know you have the ability or you have you know the genius. So here take this, get the materials you need, and do that thing. And that's something I've really lamented um, as a, a person who wants to do things and who designs things, that, um, you know, there is not this open uh, flow like there used to be, or, or, or rather there hasn't been for a long time, between the idea of, uh, you know, you have thoughts, you have abilities, you have, you know, possibilities um, take this and do it, uh, you know, let me, let me facilitate that happening. And the idea of, well, wait, let me see, what are your qualifications? What, what is the, um, you know, what is your, 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 uh, paperwork say? So, um, that ability really, I think made a huge difference in the Renaissance as far as allowing those people to go and do, um, and then if you move forward from that point, you can look at other people uh, in sort of the the second Renaissance or the second the the second uh, which is the Enlightenment, um, where you have people that were also unqualified, but you do have a return to uh, knowledge and learning and the idea that you can uh, teach yourself and that humanity itself has abilities to learn beyond. Um, its limitations, that just because someone is is born a farmer doesn't necessarily mean that they can't go on to do great things. And one of the best examples of that, in my opinion, um, are the founding fathers of the United States. Uh, they were all farmers. Um, a lot of them uh, really came from very working class, very sort of, um, you know, uh, artisanal type backgrounds. If you look at someone like Benjamin Franklin, he was basically not qualified to do any of the things that he did, but he went on to do lots and lots of things, including scientific experiments and, um, you know, inventions and all sorts of things. And he was definitely not qualified, quote unquote, to do any of those things. But they did have great libraries and they believed in uh, the idea of teaching yourself and the idea of having information around. And there again, knowledge was really the focus. Uh, The idea that you would have access to knowledge, that you would have, you know, the study of classics and the study of uh, information and from all different sources was really an important thing. And, And these people, despite the fact that they had no qualifications, were all sort of very hungry to to feed their mind and to learn things, and were always learning different aspects. And that really was what gave them their qualification, was the idea that they learned things and that they taught themselves, and that even if their actual paperwork education would have stopped, you know, at what we would consider to be, you know, middle school or, or even elementary school before, that didn't stop them from going on later to continue to learn in ways that were not necessarily countenanced and were not necessarily uh, of the level that uh, would have been official. So you also get uh, in that environment the exchange of ideas, which is is very important. The Enlightenment was very much centered around the idea that you could get people together and they could discuss things and come up with new things 
just of their own accord, that people that were knowledgeable or were interested or were, you know, had that sort of hungry mind and curious mind, just by the nature of sitting around and discussing things, could actually conjure new ideas and new thoughts. And that's when you get things like salons. And salons are one thing that I really uh, lament, where people would sit around. It was almost like a coffee shop, but the idea was that it was a place for people to come together and discuss ideas, to develop new concepts. And you get people like writers and artists and musicians and and all sorts of great thinkers, um, philosophers and, and scientists and things that would all get together in these salons and they would sit around and they would spend time and they would delve into issues and they would come up with new ideas. And you know, they would delve into areas that they necessarily weren't qualified to get into. They didn't, you know, you would get a painter that would talk to someone about writing, or you would get a writer that would talk to someone about, you know, uh, mental issues or any number of things. They would, they would, you know, psychiatry would, would be involved, uh, which is what I was trying to, to think of there. Um, but you would get people that would get together and discuss lots of ideas, and no one would be limited by what their official title was. And that was really the important thing when it came to developing new ideas, that, you know, it didn't matter what you were actually officially called or what your actual official job title was, you could still participate and you could still have valuable information. And no one stopped you and said, wait, you know, are you even qualified to say these things? Are you even qualified to participate in this uh, conversation? Uh, Now, if you take that to the turn of the century, uh, you get into this situation where you get lots of inventors, lots of people that are making new things. And and generally speaking, these people were all self-taught. Um, you know, the Wright brothers, for example, uh, had a bicycle shop where they would repair bicycles. And when it came to flying, no one was qualified. There was no real information, but they did read the things that they could get a hold of from other people who had simply tried and experimented of their own accord um, without any, you know, qualifications or anything. They just did it, and then they wrote down what they did. The Wright brothers are really famous for designing um, an ability to experiment and to see outcomes. They invented a wind tunnel with which they could check different designs and things. No one had ever done that, and they didn't have any, uh, you know, ability to qualify that coming into that. They simply did it, and and they used that information because they came up with that idea themselves. And that was basically where it came from and how it was considered useful. No one came in and said, well, this isn't necessarily, you know, a, a recognized method for designing planes. So, the fact that this works in the situation does not apply because it's not recognized. You know, they basically said, look, we think that this will work in this situation, so we're going to use it, and it turns out that it did. Um, So they basically did by doing again. And all the inventions of that period, or at least the vast majority of those inventions, were made by simply experimenting, trying new things, and doing them. And there's a whole host of people that invented new things and that did new things that they were not at all in any way connected to, and they were basically unqualified to do. But success was a matter of 
success. Qualification was a matter of success, which is to say that uh, you were considered able to do something because you did it and it worked, or your invention was considered useful and able to be used because it worked. So, you know, the idea that you would question the maker of an invention because of their background or because of their education was completely uh, absurd. You know, their their invention worked because it worked. And, uh, you know, they were proved to have knowledge in a certain subject because they had made something that worked in that subject. Um, now, it's interesting because if you look forward, moving from that point forward, you start to get uh, the the creation of public schools and the standardization of modern academics, um, which is, you know, a good way. At that point, there was so much going on and there was so much information. And, you know, as a result of the Renaissance and and the sort of uh, enlightenment and and the new things that came about at the turn of the century, your average person was really left behind when it came to actually knowing uh, what was going on and all of the things that were going on. So uh, modern academics was really important uh, to fill in those gaps, to sort of teach math and science and the reading skills that were necessary to absorb that information and make that available to people. Um, and, you know, that was really a good thing for the average population. Uh, and it was good to a good way to educate the average man because you have this, this limit of the ability to absorb the information that's out there. Uh, and the information was really the key to understanding and to doing. Um, so you have, uh, you know, the, the creation of schools along those lines, which for the time period were, were exceedingly valuable and, and still are when it comes to laying groundwork and and laying the groundwork of, of teaching people to teach themselves, teaching people to understand information. The idea of you know, learning just simple math and geometry so that you know how to do things because these things are necessary. You know, it used to be that you could sit down with very basic things and and just as a result of trial and error, come up with something new. And it's not to say that's impossible at this point, but generally speaking, the, the things that we work with now require a level of sophistication and interaction that that goes beyond, uh, you know, just your basic uh, knocking two sticks together. So you need that sort of groundwork laid out, and that's an important part of academia. That's sort of what that is meant to do. Um, you know, I think that there is a certain cancer that has grown on academia as time has gone on, and I'll address that in a second. But, you know, it's interesting because in our time, uh, you know, especially in the past, well, say, as of the new millennium, we live in this particular time where all of the information is available. Uh, knowledge is free and open. Um, you know, we have access at any point to all the information we could possibly want. And not just raw data, but instruction in how to deal with that. You know, uh, any number of ways of learning or, um, you know, delving into subjects are regularly and easily available to us. Curiously, though, uh, as someone who teaches themselves, none of these things are considered to matter. None of these things are actually 
considered part of a qualification. And that's part of what I was getting into as far as the the cancer on academia, which is to say academia itself has become sort of a a lord or a uh, a place that withholds qualification sort of as their their raison d'etre. That's sort of the the reason they exist is to um, serve as guards over these thresholds um, that that actually allow people to become certified in something. And the problem is that a lot of times you, in order to pass those thresholds, it essentially comes down to paying. You have to pay to attend, to go through their process that they will then allow you to have the piece of paper that says that you have learned when you may have already learned. So, um, in general, you know, you have these situations where people are limited because of access to that time and that money, whereas they're not limited in the ability to learn to actually do a thing. And when it comes to engaging in modern creation, a lot of times we reach the point where doing anything new involves a level of sophistication that means that, generally speaking, people require certification uh, instead of simply looking at whether or not you could do something. I have, uh, in the past, designed homes and and various other things and uh, engines and things like that, and I run into the issue of if I do a design, you know, I run into people that say, well, yes, but do you even know what you're doing? You know, and, and the fact that, you know, I can tell them I, I have, you know, researched this and, and understand the way that things work and understand the, you know, sort of physics behind holding something up and all that kind of thing. It doesn't necessarily matter because I don't have the piece of paper that shows that I'm qualified. And, um, I think that that becomes a real problem when it ultimately comes down to, a matter of money and time to simply uh, placate some sort of authority that I have satisfied them to the point that they will deign me with the authority to do something. Now, that being said, I do believe that we have to be careful of quacks and people that get the wrong idea. I think safety is very important. I think that, you know, the idea of policing, in a sense, what people do is not a bad thing. Um, I just think that we need a separation of qualification from attendance and from, um, you know, the sort of monetary uh, aspect of of what is required at this point. Um, in my mind, I think that the best possible option would be to uh, design a system where qualification comes down to a testing uh, regime. You know, if, if there was a possibility where you could go in and, you know, take a series of tests, be them, you know, like SAT tests, um, where on a certain subject where you could, you know, really, and have intensive testing if it's necessary, if it's a really important thing, have intensive testing to certify yourself, but then to be able to get a certification just as a, as a requirement or as a result of passing those tests, instead of requiring that someone participate in, you know, possibly years 
of mandatory study in a system that is expensive and difficult um, to, you know, to sort of recognize that, look, you can teach yourself in your own time and in your own way, and especially with people learning in different ways and having different ways of, of addressing information um, and different ways of gathering experience, uh, you know, that there are a bunch of ways of doing that, especially now, um, to then say, well, look, there's a bunch of ways that can happen. What we're going to do instead is we're just going to see, do you have the knowledge? Do you have the understanding? Do you have the ability? Do you understand the key things? And if you do, then we will give you the certification that says, yes, this person knows what they're doing. Because ultimately, that's what it comes down to. When someone asks for qualification, all they really want to know is, do you know the things that are necessary. You know, if you if you want to do, do plumbing work for a house, what they really want to know is do you know what is involved in plumbing? And, you know, that qualification is just meant to be a way of proving that yes, you know the basics of how to put things together and the way that water flows and you're not going to screw everything up. So you know, I think that that qualification as a result of a test is the way to go. And ultimately, I guess that is sort of my uh, thesis statement when it comes to this episode, uh, which is to say that I think that we do ourselves a real disservice uh, when we when we limit ourselves in this way. And I think it's really unfair and unjust to require people to jump through hoops that are so often monetary and and situations where a lot of times you end up with uh, indoctrination over an education, where uh, an educational system requires you to learn in their way and to learn their particular theories and methods before you can get qualified. So your own particular methods uh, are sort of not countenanced if you want to get that qualification. So I think that ultimately we're limiting humanity and we're limiting ourselves by limiting access to these things. Um, so generally speaking, you know, I just I want to encourage everyone to believe in possibility uh, and to believe in yourselves. You know, you can do it, uh, or rather you could do it um, if you took, you know, the time and, and, and uh, delved into it. And I think that that's really... Um, you know, what I want to encourage people to do is to uh, trust in your own abilities and don't let the fact that you're not qualified to do something stop you from trying and from experimenting and from, you know, giving it a shot because you never know and the world is full of possibilities. So uh, with that in mind, um, I'm going to say thank you very much for listening. I hope this was interesting and I look forward to seeing you guys next time. So thanks a lot. All right. Bye. If you're enjoying the show and would like to help me feed myself, keep the lights on, and continue making episodes, direct PayPal donations and other inquiries can be sent to thesapientsimeon at gmail.com. That's thesapientsimeon at gmail.com. I do have a Patreon page, also under the Sapient Simeon, where you can get exclusive access to view my other work from years past, paintings, designs, projects, and experiments seen nowhere else. With your help, I can maintain the show as a commercial-free broadcast we all can enjoy, but a key part in that process is reaching out to encourage me and show your appreciation. In the meantime, I would like to thank you for listening and doing what you can to help share my work with others. Until next time, stay curious.